Briggs. It's your old pal, the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> this is Joe Bob Briggs. This is Jeffrey Combs. Hey, this is Scotty from Anthrax. Hi, you're listening to Adrienne Barbeau. Hi, this is Doc Bradley. You're listening to Quality Time. You're listening to Quality Time. Quality Time Broadcast. And you're listening to Quality Time. Quality Time Podcast. I'm saying this under duress. You better keep listening or I will tear your soul apart. a different thing. Eric, I'm just messing with you. I love the level of defense. You're like, I don't look at naked women that are not my wife. Wait, 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 wait. No, no, no. That's not what the issue I have. I, I'm more concerned that you think I so haphazardly will just click on things that will ruin my life. I'll look at titties till I'm blue in the eyes, but I will not, I will not... Eric, oh, Eric, you're killing me right now. You're like, I wouldn't click on things that would ruin my life. I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty sure you've seen some weird porn, Eric. You've definitely clicked on some links that have ruined your life. That like, is, don't. I mean, listen, I can't tell you emotionally how it's affected me. But no, nothing yeah. nothing that like crashed my computer and then made it say, pay us $1,000 because we'll do this. Because maybe that happened once in my life. Oh, like you're six not or a seven Chris Hudson. Ago. I get it. Yeah, what if some Russian bot was just like, we got pictures of your dick in front of your computer. I'd be like, send them out, pal. Who gives a shit? So I was just like, you're sending that's my why, mom. How that's why Megan and I hand out business cards for our OnlyFans. We're like, bribe us, you pay us. Like, do you know what I do in front of people on a stage, right? Like, they, yeah, they don't see my bits, but I don't give a fuck. If I was allowed to, sure, I'd, go, I'd, show, I'd show dick for money. It's not an impressive cock. It's very fucking, <laughs> un, it's, it is... It is the fucking uh, caldor of penises, but I would show it if people wanted to see it. <laughs> I don't know if I go with caldor. I feel like that's the, they went out of business, didn't they? Yes, exactly. This <laughs> this cock, you can blow the fucking dust off of it. Uh, <laughs> it looks like a book taken off of the high shelf. So. Anyway, I think I think we're here. Let's uh, let's just jump right into the show. Welcome to Quality Time. Here we are, another week down. Uh, no Jeremy Woodworth, but I am your host, Mr. Eric uh, T. Woodworth, and I'm joined by the very lovely, the very talented Miss Ashley Pontius. Ashley, how are you, love? I'm good, Daddy. Thanks for having me. Are you good? Um, I'm super unhappy that I'm moving again. I, you are. Is- Maybe. Are we going to talk about that, or is it too hot button of an issue? We're not going to go super into it, but I am I am moving back home. <laughs> Maybe because of legal ramifications that could be happening or not happening, or that she listens to the show. Does she know you're leaving? Um, I am not going to tell her until I've moved everything out of mm-hmm. my apartment. 
And then I'm like, oh, by the way, I'm leaving. Here's 30 days notice. Mm. Yeah, I doubt she listens because if she doesn't listen to my complaints, why would she listen to my podcast? That's a good that's a good point. <laughs> that is a good point. I would like to get more into that, but I'd also like to uh, introduce our guest this week. Uh, local film director. I had the, the joy of meeting him on the Laugh Finder podcast some time ago. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we welcome to the show Mr. Chris LaMartina. Chris, how are you, How's sir? it going, guys? Thanks so much for having me on oh man thank you for joining us your yeah. room right there looks like what my basement will be after it has walls in it i have some <laughs> figures back here and memorabilia but oh, i'm not awesome. not the level that you do uh because i live in this unfinished hellhole that i was building right before i got on here i was i was cutting and framing and doing things to make a finished basement and i'll be honest with you i don't know a fucking thing about carpentry i just sit yeah. and watch youtube videos i've run into multiple problems it's going slowly but i will become a semi-decent carpenter by the time this is uh this is all done i think so uh but <laughs> chris god damn it great to have you on the show it's been a long great time coming i was you know i when i met you a couple years ago this is when we were doing laugh finder back at uh oh jimmy uh Solansky's, uh little like shed in yeah, his backyard it was, it was the shed behind a pizza place it was like it was like right around the corner from that little uh that, mm-hmm. that uh, convenience place yeah and, like yeah. right off of york road where yeah. we used to do laugh finder and i was just like this dude's pretty tight if he knew that i did a, <laughs> a movie about heart if i did I did a podcast about horror, uh, uh, horror movies. He's like the perfect, like you were the perfect guest for this show. I was like, we shouldn't even be here right now. He should be at my house without a pandemic talking about this shit. But uh, no, it's really, uh, it's really good. And uh, and for maybe our listeners who don't know, uh, Chris mm-hmm. has uh, produced some, some wonderful films. One that's currently streaming on Shutter, uh, WNUF yep. Halloween special, which mm-hmm. I uh, I watched uh, a pretty. Pretty recently, and uh, features some local talent. Stavros Halkius of Cumtown is in it, and uh, of course, uh, uh, Tommy Sambazo I think does some some voiceover work in there that I caught, and he he never told me that. Okay, I just picked his sweet cherry lips out of the audio. I was like, hey, that sounds like. I'm like Tommy Simbazo in there, and uh, <laughs> of course your uh, your lovely uh, is your lovely wife in that movie as well. Did- she, she's in WNUF, yeah, for okay. but just one of the fake commercials. Whereas Call Girl of Cthulhu, she's the lead actor. She, that's what that's the movie we really met making. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Call Girl to Cthulhu is is obviously your other your other big one. Do what do you think? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I've I haven't watched uh, uh, Call Girl to Cthulhu in its entirety, but I have seen the highlights of it. Uh, you know, I've seen Stavros <laughs> get killed. I've seen yeah. I've seen stuff like that, and uh, you know, you both are just uh, you, you both are just wonderful people, and we're we're glad to have you on the show this evening. So watch watch all that stuff. Um, <laughs> Uh, I don't know how people like pay for you to watch it other than like on Shutter. Like, do you get a kickback I, for that, or how does so? That Shutter, work? Shutter gave us an advance for WNUF, and then I mean, if people want physical copies, I have um, Blu-rays of Call Girl and DVDs of WNUF, as well as um, Blu-rays of other other two titles, President's Day and Witch's Brew. So, if you want those, I usually do like a package deal. But somebody can just find me on social media and hit me up. Um, but Shutter, honestly, if you know, just watch WNUF on there. 
So <laughs> that, I have no problem. I don't mind not getting residuals. There's so we don't do this for the money. <laughs> do, so they don't give you any kickback back for being on Shutter. No, like they, you don't no, get we like got, five we, we cents. Advance, we, play. we got an advance. We got. Um, I, 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 I'm always probably way too blunt about numbers, so maybe I shouldn't say this without talking to my producing partner. But well, they gave us a nice little uh, budget. Um, a nice, a nice little like I think it was like a five year license for um, U.S. Um, I think England and Australia. Uh, so oh, that's nice. pretty, that pretty cool. Yeah. Um, no, and Shutter's great. I mean, I was actually um, years ago, they did a Shutter fellowship and they brought me up to New York with a couple other like horror filmmakers. They did like this like week long retreat, which was pretty cool. So they've been really good to me. Um, Shutter's they're just good people. I do. That's awesome. We got uh, we actually had uh, uh, Steve Kasansky on a few weeks back. Uh, the oh, director cool. of uh, a psycho gore man produced yeah. by Shutter. And he, he was fucking he was awesome, man. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I like that Shutter exists. So if you don't support Shutter and you are part of the uh, horror community, you should uh, you should yeah. subscribe and get that uh, because I well, think it's an important uh, service that they're providing. Well, not only are we huge fans of Shutter, we're actually heading up as a group in in July, we're going up to the Mahoning Drive-In. Oh, uh, nice. Eric, Jeremy, and I, we're going to go up and do oh. the Joe Bob Briggs. Yeah, uh, we'll be there. We'll be there. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, we uh, we were staking out the tickets at like noon. Was it last Friday? Oh, Just like, yeah. and it's funny. We like, we like went immediately and they said sold out. And we were like, there's no friggin' way. Like, I, I, I could probably cuss on this podcast. I don't know why I said friggin'. Yeah. If you say no fucking way. <laughs> say fuck, <laughs> shit ass, cunt. Just, yeah. hey, we have one rule. It's don't say the N word unless you're the right color to say. That's it. <laughs> That's a, that's a really solid rule. That's it. I mean, we're we're pretty firm on that. And that, other than that, we're pretty cool. You know, yeah. dance around the other ones. You know, but and it's not live, so we'll edit it out. Be a monster. The, we don't even get. I was going to say the reasons we have that rule. Those episodes are missing. Yes. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> You know, if um, if if Brian Preston could just stop saying the N word, then we'd have so much more content. That's all, that's okay. what I'm getting at. <laughs> oh man! So and I, I miss this. That's made me think. Like I used to see Brian like every week or two pre-pandemic times. Now I haven't seen literally haven't seen his beautiful face in a year and a half almost. <laughs> I just saw Brian on Saturday. We watched him play uh, a disc golf tournament, mm. which. Eric, if I can interject. Yes, please. Tell what? us about I think that's where the conversation's going at this point. We can get okay. back to Chris and his plugs and his new projects as we go here. Yeah. But tell us <laughs> yeah, about Brian please. Preston and his golf disc tournament. It's, it's um <laughs> It was not what I expected. Um, <laughs> I don't even know what disc golf is. Like, literally, I don't even know how you play it. Oh, so, like, uh, just so, so for our listeners and Chris, uh, disc golf, <laughs> if you go on to, uh, if you go to, like, pretty much any Maryland State Park, a, a lot of them have, like, these weird structures that look like a, a giant trash can with, like, chains that come up and a big circle above it. And it's just basically golf. You start from, like, a very far position. You throw a Frisbee. Where it lands is where it lands. And then you throw it. And you try to get it into this thing and then sink it in. And you play basically like golf, but with frisbees. So, so it's almost like bocce, kind of like you set your – Yeah. Your, yeah, okay, cool. Exactly. Right. But, yeah, okay. so it's it's very cool. Like we were just – let's go support Brian. But I did not realize this is not a flat park that has everything. You know what I mean? We ended up hiking through the woods to get to each tee. And that was awful. Uh, and I tried to bring a herd of women to sexually excite and entice Brian, who's been hiding from humanity for the last yeah, year. I knew, I, I know the ladies that you were with. Is that... <laughs> 
Entice. <laughs> entice is a strong word. Entice is a <laughs> is a strong word that you use there. Hey, look, a starving animal will eat pretty much anything. <laughs> is the point that. You, you brought so, you brought saltines to a to a to a starving man. I understand. <laughs> I brought I brought piss to a shit fight. I get it. You can <laughs> use all kinds of use, <laughs> euphemisms. Look, it was on clearance at Walmart. The man needed fed. I found what I found and brought it to him. Okay. What is most frustrating about that is none of them were prepared, which I was not either. I'll be fair about that. I was not fully prepared, but the level to which the sleuths I brought were not ready was terrible. One of them calls me and says, hey, where are you guys? And I go, ma'am, we are hiking through the woods to find his Frisbee. Where are you? <laughs> and she's like, is that a euphemism? <laughs> no, I was like, where are you at the start? Where are you? Like, why are you so late? You are six hours late. And she goes, I'm late because my boobs wouldn't fit in my dress. And I go, why are you wearing a dress? I don't know why you're not just telling him who it is. It's Josie Marcelino. Uh, I'm not scared to say that. And she has humongous breasts. And yeah, I mean, listen, I'll take Josie's side on this. I understand why she could have that trouble. They are humongous tatas that she she parks around with. She's going to have back problems. I actually feel bad for her. (laughs) It also happens when... uh, Eric, don't make me be a mean girl. Anyways, so... <laughs> so she's like wearing these flip flops and this ridiculous dress that does not work for the occasion. She looks very lovely, but it mm. doesn't work either. Then another girl shows up wearing an equally long dress. And I'm like, I did not tell you we were going to prom. <laughs> like, yeah. We they're dressed for the be- they're dressed for the uh the climax of uh of uh Jennifer's body right now. And you're <laughs> And, yes. and you're at you're yes. at a, you're basically at a, a state park ready to do heavy level hiking. It was like you guys were doing the final rose from Die Laughing Productions, but it was in the woods yeah, they, uh, with no audience. They it, were <laughs> they were expecting preakness with funny hats, and what they got was actually an exercise. <laughs> it was it was awful. I don't know how how his team did to be perfectly honest because i couldn't figure out the scoring and i was too distracted by by the horde of whores that i brought that were just absolutely useless so that's that actually was my the, week. that's actually the name of chris's new movie horde of whores he's working it's on true. Uh, don't, don't, don't blow our cover man it's, it's you can be have the title sir and yeah. i can tell you exactly how it should go a bunch of dumb girls go out into the woods wearing the wrong equipment and they get eaten by a giant foreskin anyway <laughs> I, I I did uh, I rode with Tommy Simbanzo yesterday to a show last evening, and he told me a little bit uh, some inside information about Brian's gift disc golf tournament. And he said that uh, while Brian is very good, he because this was the state finals to see if you go to nationals, and the squad that showed up to play him, like Brian shows up in his regular clothes with like a bag with his uh, frisbee in it, and these guys had like professional like custom made bags that held their <laughs> special frisbee and then he was just like he's like when i saw him roll up he was just like 
oh man, Brian, you're you're out of your league right now. He's like, oh, I I, I never said I would win this. Uh, uh, I just I said I made it here. I didn't say I was gonna, uh, you know, I didn't say I was going on to nationals. I just said I made made a national bid. That's it. <laughs> Tommy is not wrong. That dude had a backpack filled with probably twelve different frisbees because they were each different weight. <laughs> Oh, that fucking rock. Yeah, he said, like, like Brian has, like, a standard throw the, where you throw it, like, forearm, elbow first. And these guys are, like, slinging it, like, thumb behind their back like this to do, like, arc shots and shit. He said Brian was outclassed at every hole. I was pretty surprised because I got to be honest. I just assumed that all these men could sling a disc like they sling dick. And I was like, Brian, this is not a good look in front of your hose. <laughs> Oh man, the ho horde. I'm I'm sad that Brian did that. But hey, uh, um, Chris. Now uh, it's great to have you on the show. What kind of uh, new projects do you have uh, coming down the pipeline? Do you have a new project coming down yeah. the pipeline? Yeah. So, um, well, a couple things. Right now, um, like exactly right now, we're actually doing a crowdsource campaign just for pre-orders for our latest film, "What Happens Next Will Scare You," which is a clickbait horror satire. So basically, like uh, all these. BuzzFeed-style journalists are getting together for, like, a uh, brainstorm session about a Halloween list article about the scariest top 13 viral videos. And then, basically, as they start watching all these segments, all the, the anthology segments, things from the videos come into the real world. So that's, like, our latest Ooh. horror comedy. And that's uh, totally done. Uh, so if you want to check out the trailer, it's on our Kickstarter page for that. Um, but that's that's already reached its goal, so I don't even have to push that too hard. <laughs> and oh, then. <laughs> And then uh, the other thing we're working on is the WNF sequel, the WNF Halloween sequel. So I'm, I'm mostly done production on, well, the pandemic kind of fucked us up uh, getting that finished. But we're basically, we have about five or six more days until the film's totally mm -hmm. done production. So getting close, the end is in sight, but one of the shoot days requires uh, an audience of about 50 to 100 extras. So that might need to be sometime after everyone's vaccinated. So, but that'll yeah, be soon. I could, I could see that. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, that'll be this year, hopefully, as uh, the pandemic yeah. ends. Yeah. Um, now, listen, uh, Chris, as is as a acclaimed local director, uh, I just want you to know that you, I'd love, I, I mean, I may, I'm going to speak for myself. I don't know if Ashley can, but I feel confident also speaking with my regular co-host jeremy who will we'll talk to you why he's not on the show today he is uh sure. definitely ill with the covid19 right now is he, does he so really has it he oh, no. I, I think so i think so oh, i saw his wife sent me a picture of him and he looks terrible all the time but he looks particularly <laughs> terrible today oh man uh, i'm sorry to hear that but Jeremy is an acclaimed uh, uh, horror actor. Uh, yeah, he he's actually, a Gacy, right? Yeah, he dresses up as John Wayne Gacy. He he won uh, he won the uh, uh, at oh, what was it? I think it was the Chiller Theater or the New Jersey Horror Cons uh, Actor of the Year Award for playing nice. uh, the the Killer Clown meets the Candyman, where he was the Killer Clown meets uh, um, the Candyman, who is uh, uh, Dean Coral, played by his friend yeah. Edward Young X, and he he won Best Actor actor that year and scared the crap out of the guy from uh what is it comic book men uh ing from comic book men he was like he -he -he -he, and came up in full clown makeup scared the shit out of him and won a, a a horror award with a skull in it in the shape of the state of new jersey so oh, I, awesome. I will speak for him and i when i say if you need somebody to be murdered on screen i i am willing to to offer myself and the right. Worth brother services. i remember that for sure 
if 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 it's Ashley, like listen, I'm if you want to pour corn syrup into my mouth as blood being thrown up into me, just know I'm the guy. I want that All to right. happen. I, I will okay. do that. I agree so. with Eric because honestly, I've swallowed swallowed much worse stuff than corn syrup blood. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'll double down as a man who's 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 acting uh, uh, chops are inspired by the likes of Chris Elliott and a uh, and and a and a Bruce Campbell. Uh, uh-huh. If if you have a light stunt you need me to go through a table or something like that say no more i've been a rugby okay. player for 16 years you want me to jump off from 10 feet through something i done i'll sign the paperwork i'll make it happen all so, right so just i want you to know that you have access to us more than anything <laughs> all right that sounds great i'll remember that <laughs> yes and if and i don't want to speak for ashley but if the if the scene includes her murdering me then she'll probably be into that part oh. of it so i'm sorry you well, that's exciting. I'm excited about that. A um, couple other pre-show things we got to go over because I have I have just some quick quick stories to go over. Okay, because it's been a while since we've got together. Actually, this episode will be up tomorrow. We had like a buffer, but things happened. Jeremy's out. Whatever. Um, Jeremy's out with COVID nineteen. He's super sick. Wish him well. Uh, nothing much more to talk about there. But uh, at work this week, I work with this lady. I won't. I won't shout her name out in case she listens to the show. I, I'm not. It's. It's. Do not your concerned. coworkers listen to this? I don't know. I don't know, but I know some <laughs> do, and I don't want to get to get back to her. But lady, you I can work just with. start doing things in the podcast to test, like uh, there's donuts in the drawer and the yeah, kitchen. yeah. I don't <laughs> listen. I work for a big enough corporation where I'm frightened that somebody listens. They were like, "Did you hear what he said?" And then I'm like, "Are you going to threaten me with firing me because I'm not scared?" Anyway, so. Look, so this lady I was talking to, she goes, she, I, I told her I do, you know, I do a horror movie podcast and stuff. She's like, oh, I love horror movies, and she's probably, she's a little older than me. She was like, I love this movie 408, and I was just like, oh, I've never, never even heard of that. Of that, and then she doubled down. She's like, oh, if you've never seen it, I can't even tell you about it. And I was just like, oh, whoa. She so she started big timing me, right? And as she started to talk about, it, I was like, I don't know. Tell me some of the actors in it. Oh, well, it's got. Samuel L. Jackson. She she now keep oh in mind my God. she says this is this is her favorite movie. She says this is her favorite movie, four oh eight. And then she like my my coworker goes, he's like, Do you mean do you mean the movie fourteen oh eight? And she goes, Oh yeah, that one. <laughs> Which I thought, was, I thought was very, very funny. I was just like and then she was like going on about other movies that she loved and she's just like, Oh, I love uh I love I loved uh, other than horror movies, I love rom coms. She's like, I love Meg Ryan. And then I go, I, I, I go, I was like, Oh, you know, I like her brother Jack Ryan and then <laughs> and, and so my my one coworker who gets it, he starts laughing and then she goes, She's like, Oh yeah, he's great too. <laughs> Yeah. So she, oh, she clearly has, she's clearly never she doesn't know what the reference I'm making and I, and then like she just totally went along with it she's like oh yeah I love Jack Ryan he is good he's a good actor I feel like the saddest thing though besides the fact that she didn't know the title of the right horror movie is like that's her favorite horror movie yeah. right oh, man he, I forgot that was Sam Jackson in that yeah Samuel mm-hmm. L. Jackson and John Cusack I, I remember John Cusack so. but it's like it's just so weird because it's like basically just him in a room until like 
well for most of it but then like the walls start leaking and it just gets yeah. real dumb like that's that's when that movie lost me when i was just like this is just like basically a 70s disaster movie in a hotel room yeah i mean yeah. not even that good of a horror movie to be yeah. like i'm a horror movie snob i'm like yeah. ah, it's I'm not sorry. E- until you've seen dead beach bunnies five don't talk to me it's not even a top 10 10 because it's a stephen king short story it's not even a yeah. top 10 stephen king movie no way. much less the first like yeah no that's my favorite one one, yeah. which I thought that's, was very that's almost as bad as being like my favorite Stephen King movie is Dolores Claiborne I'm like how do all uh, me and my family, we only watch the Langoliers every year. Oh, so no. <laughs> that movie is like the worst CGI I think I've ever seen in anything with a budget. Oh, so well, listen, let's not let's not overlook the Scorpion King, the Mummy too, uh, because <laughs> the literal rock lobster that presents himself <laughs> in the third act. In the third act, that thing where, like, PlayStation 2 graphics at the time were better <laughs> that existed <laughs> was probably my favorite thing that ever came out. And also, I'm had sex during that movie. So anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, it, is a, it is a classic Eric Woodworth bit is fucking to The Rock in The, in the Mummy 2, The Scorpion King. Um, that and Happy Feet. Ugh. Oh, God, yeah. No, I didn't get, I no, I got jerked off to the movie uh finding nemo at the theater oh, uh, when oh I was no. in high school. I'm one copy yeah. people fucking during happy feet though. that's right <laughs> confuse the memory <laughs> i was in an empty theater with one of my early girlfriends and we went to go see uh yeah finding nemo uh shout outs uh ellen degeneres and uh <laughs> she's a big listener of the show and the program but she uh yeah yeah i got i definitely i definitely got a hand job in a movie theater uh during that film which was uh it's weird to watch it with my children now now at like 37 oh, <laughs> because like i have very different you know connections to that film than my children do and sure. uh <laughs> I da- sorry daddy's got to leave the room and use the bathroom <laughs> oh my god <laughs> this is so upsetting why do i'm the one that brought it up i'm mad at myself i can't even be mad at you anymore yeah. i'm mad at for having these memories i know i know and then uh uh, yesterday, uh, I, I, I went to a, an outdoor comedy show, uh, which I had in the back of my mind was going to be the worst fucking show that I could ever be on. Because it's like outdoors and um, just nothing about an outdoor show is usually good. That's usually number one. And then the email that it came with it, I was like, this is not going to be good. It's going to be bad. And um, at the last second, somebody dropped out and I said, hey, Tommy, what are you doing? There's a comic that dropped. You want to be on the show with me? And he was just like, fuck, yeah, because I knew he would say yes immediately. I didn't tell him any of these things, that it was outdoor, that it was going to be really that it had the potential to be one of the worst shows he could be on. Right. And so by the time he gets in the car, he was just like, you know, you didn't tell me any details before I agreed to this, right? I was just like, yeah, that was a plan. Like, I just wanted to get you. I knew after I had you in the car, what were you going to do? Get out? Like, <laughs> like That's this. how I ended up on the podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. You are on a, you're on a year and a half long car ride right now <laughs> to a show you don't want to be on. But... Hey, I will say that this this show uh, it featured a uh, a stage that was built that day by this guy in this guy's backyard. That he's a very talented carpenter. He built us a stage and everything, and then uh, he had a tra- I performed next to a trampoline, and uh, there was there was jokes about that, but it was actually good. And they were like, 
the pay was supposed to be like tips in a tip jar, which I just expected I'm not getting paid for this show. Like I walked in with the idea of that, but I walked out with like a, over $100 in my pocket. I won't tell you what oh, the yeah. final thing was, but I was very happy. I was just like, and it, the show was actually great and people were super Well, if supportive. you would have told me who was putting it on, I did a show with him and Tommy pre-pandemic and it was one of the best shows I ever had. And I also had the tip bucket that night. And I think I walked away like 150 bucks. So had you told me, I would have pepped you up more. But like, no, it's going to be fine. No, I was sure this was going to be a total shit show. Hey, this is the other thing about that uh, about that show is uh, when um, <laughs> when uh, Natalie Natalie and I uh, Natalie McGill shout outs was there. Uh, this this guy comes up and uh, I t- I mentioned this pre show, so I don't have to say it and keep it in the pre show, but. Natalie McGill, uh, after the show, it's me, her, and Tommy, and this guy comes up. Uh, Shout-out's Tim. He's very, very, very nice. I don't know his last name, but he was uh, an audience member. And he goes, he was like, hey, you know, when you were, uh, he was talking to Tommy, he's like, you know, when you were ragging on me, he was like, that was really good, and then uh, it was good. And he's like, you know, because I'm like, I'm like a real easy person, you know, just regular white dude. It's probably really easy to, like, you know, rip into me and stuff like that. And I leaned over to Natalie. I was like, <laughs> I think Natalie agrees. Us white guys have had it pretty tough this entire time. <laughs> she was, hey, she she got a good laugh, which was who the joke was for. And Tim, it was another joke on his uh, on his half. He really didn't meet. I felt I feel like he wasn't trying to say it like that, but it definitely he wasn't recognizing his audience at all, and that felt good. So that's literally all of that. our fans when they're just like you know you're funny but you know who's funnier jeff foxworthy I'm like, I <laughs> oh my like, god i shit you not at my job this week i listened to two of the ladies because uh, i have an office and i can hear down the hallway to like the cubicles and i heard three office people unironically talking about how the best comedians were the blue collar comedy tour and i wanted to just put a nerf gun in my mouth which i have multiple of i've Uh, (laughs) I've introduced bill engvall before and he's like the (laughs) most normal man and then before i bring him on stage and then he's like here's your son and i'm like oh bill what is this what you have to do to own that ranch in wyoming this is upsetting Uh, Larry the Cable Guy, we all know. Dan Whitney, God bless him. Um, I like, have you ever seen Larry the Cable Guy when he's not Larry the Cable Guy and he's just yeah. an 80s comedian in a weird 90s shirt? God, it's the fucking best. It's so weird. <laughs> I love it's it so much. It's like I, watching, it's like someone putting like your cat in human clothes and you're like, something about this doesn't seem quite right. <laughs> It does. It's really cute. <laughs> yeah, it, it seems cute, but like, why does this feel weird? <laughs> like, there's something about this that isn't natural. Like, oh man, was it Sesame Street? They used to have like human bodies, and then these like Weimariner dogs' heads were like on top. Oh God! Like human bodies <laughs> would pretend to type and do things, but it was a dog's head on the top half. Look it up. Always scared me as a child because it didn't seem natural. It was a whole segment they did every week. I don't like it. I don't like it. I'm I'm uncomfortable just thinking about it. How am I supposed to get a yeah. hand job to that? Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I also, uh, last shout out, uh, last Friday, because we didn't have a show, it, it is worth mentioning, it was the two year, two year anniversary of Joe Robinson shitting his pants and um, at Kohl's, at which we, you know, uh, was recapped on the Rob and Joe show, but because that was an integral part of uh, bringing this to life, 
his his wife uh, Katie made a TikTok video which has gone viral since then and uh, of her chronicling his trip to the Coles where he shit his pants two years ago. We mark it as a holiday every year in our calendars to celebrate this uh, passing. And this year she duped him by saying, oh, I have an Amazon return that I'm going to take back to Kohl's. And when he pulled up, it was me, the great Justin Schlegel, and uh, uh, a couple of other, uh, uh, Rob Mayer, and uh, a handful of other friends and family that were waiting out there clapping him up like, woo, two more years. And then uh, we... uh, Justin had a Bible, the great Justin Schlegel, and he uh, he brought over two Coles employees that were in the parking lot. Like, hey, could you just join us over here? We're having a real special day for our friend, not telling him what it was, and say, two years ago, our friend Joe Robinson shit his pants in this very Coles, uh, and he had to leave it. Do you guys remember that? And they were like, yeah, we remember. There was underwear in there, and it was fucking great. Oh. I tried to get a bagpiper to get there, but it was just too late, and um, uh, he... Jeremy Woodworth also sent us a special song, which I'm not going to play because uh, I want, I'm going to keep the show moving. But if you'd like to listen to the song in its entirety, uh, it's called The Long Walk Through Coles. We will play that at the end of this episode. So at the very end, at the bookend, when we say goodbye, you can listen to the unabated, unreacted to video, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, audio of uh, Jeremy's Long Walk Through Coles, which I will say one of his better, less echoey songs. I'm very proud of it. so that's that's it and um i guess that's all i have for this week i'm sure there's more stories uh we don't need to get into too much more especially since we need to break down this wonderful film we need to go over which uh i'm excited about now chris this was your pick uh Mm -hmm. uh for this week Tell us why you decided to go with 1980s The Fog, the John Carpenter classic. So the reason why I chose The Fog was because it's probably my personal favorite of John Carpenter's films, and my wife, Melissa, had never seen it. Um, And I was thinking, oh, we're coming up on uh, April 21st, which is the date in the movie, and I was like, Mm -hmm. that'd be a fun movie to watch. And we ended up, um, we're really into, like, making, like, tiki rum-based cocktails. So we made made fog cutters and watched The Fog. And that was our week, uh, was that last week or two? Yeah, about last week. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yes, that was, um, honestly, I just just love the movie a lot. I love the score to it. I think it's... um, uh, I just think it's a really fun ghost story. So, yeah. It really is, and I like it because uh, out of all of Carpenter's films, this one is uh, like one of the. It, it's one of the uh, the shortest movies he's ever made. It actually its original runtime was eighty minutes. He had to go back and add an extra ten minutes, yeah. which is uh, how like the campfire scene with every all the kids and everything happened, yeah. where it's all a campfire story. That wasn't part of the movie originally I didn't know at that. all. Wow. Uh, so he had to add that into it, which I I thought was was pretty fun. I think. Um, this movie is kind of the most um, John Carpenter um, universe, if we will, of all the John Carpenter movies. And here's why. Um, you know, obviously he's famous for Halloween. We have Jamie Lee Curtis, who's also from Halloween in this film. Um, we also have uh, uh, Nancy Keys, who's also uh, Nancy Loomis in real life, uh, who's billed on the movie. She's also from Halloween 1, 2, and 3. And also has appeared in Precinct 13, another Carpenter film, making her, with this movie, five uh, Carpenter appearances. Uh, Well, 
I guess Halloween two and three don't technically count, but it's a it's a big Halloween tie, and you know she's part of it. Then you have Tom Atkins, who's also tied to uh, Halloween, right? Because he's in Halloween three and uh, the season of the witch. Very underrated film. Okay, I I will admit that. Um, now, on top of that, though, his character's name is Nick Castle, which is the original actor who played Michael Myers, a.k.a. The Shape, in John Carpenter's Halloween. So it all kind of, like, just keeps uh, uh, leading back to that. And then, um, of course, you have a uh, great uh, uh, special effects artist, Rob Botton, who obviously did the special effects for The Thing and The Howling. Uh, he actually plays the lead ghost in this and does some of the special effects. Um then you have Adrian Barbeau, uh, who is stars in Escape from New York, uh, another Carpenter film, um, as well as this, and at the time was actually married to John Carpenter. So there's another tie to the Carpenter verse. And then um, the you guys are familiar with the the one Weatherman, whose uh, name in this movie is Dan O'Bannon. Okay. The character's name is Dan O'Bannon, the guy who's like works at the weather station in this movie. Now, this was an inside joke because if you go back to some of our previous episodes, uh, Alien, Dan O'Bannon is actually the writer of the original Alien script, where it was called Star Beast, uh, which would eventually be turned into Alien. But more importantly, he worked. Uh, he and John Carpenter went to school at USC and were classmates and worked on the uh, the cult classic Dark Star, which a lot of the shots from the original Alien movie are inspired from the works of Dark Star, which is a, a wonderful uh, horror comedy movie about a killer beach ball, which I, I do enjoy the hell out of. <laughs> now, was Dan like the director or writer? What was he on for Return of the Living Dead? Yeah, Dan O'Bannon is is only a writer. He doesn't do anything. Only but he a writer has, on that. Okay. He does have some input as far as like telling the director, like, nah, you have this cool shot like this. I don't know how to make it happen, but you better do it. And then, right. so... Dan but he was the writer then on Living Return of the Living Dead. Yeah, correct, correct. Um, they also have um, uh, Janet Lee uh, is in this cast, who is uh, the mother of Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, of course, from the movie Psycho. Um, and I think this is the only movie where I could think of where you have not one, not two, but three scream queens all in one movie. Because you have Jamie Lee Curtis, okay, who's probably one of the tops of all time. And then you have uh, Janet Lee, the original scream queen, if you will, right, from, from Psycho. Uh, and you have, like, the blood lineage. And then you have Adrian Barbeau, who's in tons of horror movies uh, as well. So you got a real holy trinity of scream queens all in one film which I think is pretty cool. So, um, Also, this is not the only time that Janet Lee's ever been in a movie with Jamie Lee Curtis. They would also both appear in Halloween H2O 20 years later from this movie coming out. So, oh, God, what a shame. <laughs> I, 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 don't hate, I don't hate Halloween H2O. It's, fi- it's a fine Josh Hartnett movie, okay? I, just... I love Josh Hartnett. doesn't mean he makes good film choices. <laughs> So uh, the last uh, the last little connection I wanted to bring up because I was uh, as I was doing research is um, one other character uh, who's uh, Father Malone in this movie. And that's played by uh, actor Hal Holbrook. Now, Hal Holbrook is in one of my favorite films, Creepshow, and he actually uh, is in one of my the best story in Creepshow, the original one, The Crate, where he is married to Adrian Barbeau in this movie. So, uh, 
Look at that. Did you see how I was literally, when I was going through all this and my brain was firing off during research, this is what I did for an hour. And I felt like I was connecting pins with pieces of yarn in a room. My <laughs> wife was telling me, you need to relax. And I can't. <laughs> I was just like, no, well, your job is like burning up behind you. You're like, no, I've got to find all the connections in the, in the Carpenter <laughs> yeah. universe. It all makes sense. <laughs> I'm still a bigger. I mean, I like the fog don't get me wrong it's a classic it's very important um i will say i guess maybe because of maybe a little bit because of my age it just i don't gravitate towards it as a an initial watch i mean it is kind of weird that one of my earliest carpenter movies besides the thing and besides halloween actually and eric and jeremy know this because this was the first episode i was ever a guest on the show was we did his uh prince of darkness Mm-hmm. And then I'm still looking to do Mouth Mouth of Madness. So, I mean, I kind of like how he evolved as time went on. Again, things that were slightly closer to maybe my age group as far as when they came out. Um, but, I mean, no, this is a f- fantastic piece of cinema. I know that Eric and Jeremy are obviously huge fans of all that synthy, tangerine dream type stuff. So, I know that that's another big <laughs> I do love a John Carpenter score. You know how hard it is to get good John Carpenter vinyl? I look for it on sale all the time. And when I find, listen, if I find one under 100 bucks, it's mine. Let me tell you. <laughs> I'm excited about it. But it yeah, is. Have you gotten his, his uh, albums that came out the last couple of years that he wrote just by themselves, like not his scores? No, I haven't. I haven't got delved into that. But that's really the only thing he's doing is just touring yeah. around doing music. And I, I like it because he, I feel, as a, as a as a semi unsuccessful music producer myself, uh, I I listen to him like I could do I could do John Carpenter synth stuff. I just need yeah. to get a fancier synth to make some cooler sounds and stuff. Because the melodies he comes up with, listen, they're not breaking the bank here. Okay, yeah. it's like oh, I just think it's so incredible how precursive he is with yeah. notes. Like a lot of composers end up doing things that feel very piano, just very piano-y, right? Mm-hmm. But he knows that notes can have beat inherently to how they're just structured, and I think it's it's amazing. Actually, it's really funny. Do you know um do you know Sean? jones by chance no no john's uh, sean's another um baltimore filmmaker and um we were at monster mania a couple years ago and john carpenter was there and i really sincerely believe this is what made john carpenter decide to, to do music like separate from scores sean asked him if he ever wrote music like outside of the uh the film scores right and john carpenter's like yeah of course and he's like well have you ever released it or do you ever, are you ever going to do that and he's like no why would you would you guys pay for that <laughs> And like literally, like there was yeah. this sort of moment in his head. He was like, "Oh, I can like fucking fuck around and not even make a movie and make a soundtrack and, and sell copies." So. Yes, he's just been making yeah. movies to support his music this entire yeah. time. <laughs> he's like, "Well, I can't release another album. I haven't made a movie to go yeah. with it. I have to do all this work beforehand to even do that." I so. mean, seeing him play live was amazing. We saw him at the Lincoln in DC, and just like it was like him and his son and some other guys. I guess are his son's friends. Like he's just like he just looked like he was having the time of his life it was so cool i like carpenter he's he's such a talented guy as far as like ha- being an amazing filmmaker but uh also being able to just score everything and and, yeah. and and also he i mean he edits great too like the movies he actually started out with and edited i mean that's a, a that's a thankless and horrible job to do is to edit a film there's nothing mm-hmm. fun about editing a film and making it look right and like timing everything and, and that that shit is just that sucks but he's also great at that 
and it's it's crazy that he's so good at so many things and uh i do a podcast so um <laughs> that is that is uh you know it's it's kind of it's it's semi-inspirational so well chris can i ask you like especially i know you met your wife uh doing your latest film um that that's a bunch of other now yeah. whenever yeah. you watch something like this or you watch the work of john carpenter and you we talk about scream queens mm-hmm obviously you married yours but i guess my my question is what do you what do you look for when you know that someone has the right the right look the right sound the right behavior for a role for like a, that is for a scream, scream queen specifically yeah. i think that's that's something that i've been really cautious of not, i mean i don't know because it's weird like to me the term scream queen has a negative connotation uh despite the fact that you talk about something like final girls or something right like versus like i think i think that's a big difference like i would call like linnea quigley like a scream queen whereas i would call somebody right. like jamie lee curtis um or like um let's choose from texas chainsaw too like carolyn caroline williams i think yeah. um i would treat them like final girls and scream queens i always feel like has this negative com- connotation because it's literally like well it's in the name it's like you're just looking at somebody and you're going like oh they're just basically they show up they look attractive they scream they die right whereas like final girls exactly yeah Yeah. and i think that's i mean there's something that's really interesting like uh thematically in horror films like the idea of making women vote like the vulnerability of a woman is somehow much more intense based off culturally like women's vulnerability um yeah this is like not funny so i'm sorry i feel like we're not even um, we're barely funny anyway don't worry about it <laughs> but like what i was gonna say with about that is like um I, you know we've made movies that have final girls or female leads but i don't know if i'd call them scream queens but i think if i'm going right. for someone that's going to um if i'm going for somebody that's going to basically like be on scream be on screen and like you know die um which is this sort of a weird thing what do i look for um obviously i feel like you have to have people that can emote correctly right like you mm-hmm. have to be believable in in in, the, in their ability to, to seem freaked out because i think a lot of right. folks for me with the horror movies it's always tough it's like people don't understand tone like they they like if i say i i, I make horror comedies right but like if you play it for comedy and if you're self-aware you fucking ruin it yeah, you know, right. yeah. So like, so like, I think if like if somebody's going into a role as a victim, if they go in sort of like winking at the camera, fuck that. I can't handle that. Like, that's mm-hmm. gonna ruin the scene. So like, when I'm casting actors, male or female, they need to own the fact that they're if they're supposed to be in, being terrorized, they've got to like, um, they've got to uh, really be believable. That's the they thing. They have and like a self awareness that they yeah. know kind of what what it calls for in the scene yeah but no yeah. that's a great point to make about the difference between scream queen versus yeah. a final girl and they have very different personalities i think you're right to that yeah. the idea that your final girl kind of has this persistence this self-awareness um this brutality to her to survive a horrible situation where like a scream queen you're right kind of comes off as this weaker woman this beauty that doesn't actually have what it takes to move on in the film well i don't know if i'd say weaker woman. it's just like i think culturally like when we talk so someone that calls someone a scream queen it's basically saying like you're here to die you know and like like you're here to be scared you know like um which is just which is also interesting that makes me think about like something like um what they did with that trope or with those tropes of gender in in horror films in uh like slumber party massacre or something like that where which like the whole franchise is literally all female directors like that's what i always thought was really impressive about roger corb or roger corbin and julie corman as producers they identified socio-political issues and weave them into what in all in all their purposes would be really fucking bottom of the barrel exploitation movies and could have been way more fucking offensive if they hadn't stopped and gone hmm how do we do like some things that are a little bit more um 
I guess like I don't want to say highbrow, but you know what I mean. Like they could they're doing right. they're pulling something out of the genre that would not have existed in lesser hands. Yeah, yeah. it's funny because one I think our last episode was the stuff Roger Corman. Oh, was it so, nice? nice. Yeah. Uh, that's that's uh, that's fun. Roger Corman. I'll be honest with you, not my favorite horror director. It's just uh, there's something. <laughs> it just needs a little bit more from me. But you know, I respect for what he's for uh, respect for what he's done. No, uh, no doubt. But listen, there's just there's just better things out there <laughs> to me. I mean, I, I will say Corman for me. The, my favorite thing he ever did was um, uh, a bucket of blood. So it's like made, made in the fifties. Um, it's about um, actually Melissa, my wife, ended up doing a theater production of it. Uh, it's basically about a beat poet that starts kill not beat poet um, a sculpt that starts accidentally killing people and turning their bodies into sculptures. Mm. Um, it's really, really fun. So if you like horror comedies, that's like one of the best ones from that era. Okay. Um, and, it, and it was literally made around the same time period as Little Shop of Horrors. So. Oh, all right. All right. Yeah. I'll check it I'll check it out. Listen. Yeah. It put, I, I think it, you guys would really like that one. Yeah. Add it to the list, Ashley. Put it on <laughs> it, there. It's already on there. Get my phone out right now. Skip over the next David Cronenberg film and throw that one on there. Uh <laughs> So uh, this movie actually uh, starts off, as we mentioned before, with uh, a little campfire story, which was added to the movie to actually make it longer, but kind of sets the tone. Now, this is actually uh, played by uh, actor um, – uh, oh, Jesus. Let me go back here. There we go. John Houseman, who, uh, you know, classically trained actor, uh, Englishman who uh, uh, plays everything. But really, I only know him from one other film, and that's the driving instructor in The Naked Gun. So uh, <laughs> if you remember him in that, then that's the actor we're talking about. And I have a little bit of audio from that as he sets the tone for this film. One hundred years ago on the... 21st of April, out in the waters around Spivey Point, a small clipper ship drew toward land. Suddenly, out of the night, the fog rolled in. For a moment, they could see nothing, not a foot ahead of them. And then they saw a light. By God, it was a fire burning. On the shore, they steered a course toward the light, but it was a campfire like this one. The ship crashed against the rocks. The hull sheared in two. The mast snapped like a twig, and the wreckage sank with all the men aboard. On the bottom of the sea. Lady Elizabeth Dane, with her crew, their lungs filled with salt water, their eyes open and staring into the darkness. All right, so which one of you kids wants s'mores? (laughs) Also, who's leaving this weird sailor with children on a beach? That's what I was going to say. There's no adult in that fucking group. Like, there's literally just like... I just want one kid to be crying in the back. That would really, like, cherry on top. Mr. Houseman, you're scaring us. Shut up. Eric won't let me watch his kids. (laughs) You literally pull out your corn pipe and sit up there. I'm like, let me tell you about the time Daddy went to see Finding Me. Oh no! 
after oh, he man. tells him about the 21st of April and the, and mentions that the, that midnight is the witching hour where the spirits yeah. uh, where it's owned by the dead and uh, uh, we we are transported to the local church where Father um, uh, Malone is and a uh, 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 a stone crashes off of the walls and uh, produces a small journal from a hundred years ago, which his uh, his great his grandfather, I believe, wrote a hundred years ago, which details uh, the last moments of the uh, of the Dane before it sunk to the to the uh, watery depths and filled everyone's uh, lungs with salt water. And anyway, I I'm I, I'm not actually allowed within five hundred feet of a school, so I actually have to <laughs> I have to leave right now. And you have uh, to pretend to be Jeremy too on the show today. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, it. He, but uh, in the journal, at one part it said, "Midnight belongs to the dead," which is actually from the uh, from the um, from the uh, poem by Samuel Taylor, Taylor uh, uh, Coleridge, uh, produced in 1798, "The Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner," and also one of my favorite Iron Maiden songs. So uh, <laughs> there you go with that one. So uh, uh, we we also get to meet Adrian Barbeau, who is uh, the local DJ. Uh, she uh, she's just got her sultry voice as she plays uh miss stevie wayne uh and uh i i would listen to an adrian barbeau uh midnight uh radio program because she's got she just has a sultry voice she's part of our intro she she helped cut the uh one of the quality time shout outs even though she said quality time broadcast and not the right thing but you know we still use it all the time uh i wow. won't stop it <laughs> what a bitch adrian no <laughs> It's fine. I cannot believe we're nitpicking about this. And honestly, Eric would absolutely listen to her on the radio at night, giving you a Stevie Wang. You know what I mean? <laughs> hey, listen, I only, I will say I don't love Adrian Barbeau in this movie because I like her when she's that total fucking bitch and creep show. God, she's so good <laughs> in that movie. I yes, love it. She's just like, look at you. Can't do this. Can't screw. Oh, God, I love her. <laughs> That's her best role to me. God. I know what Eric's type is. He's like, man, the meaner you are to me, the more I like you. Tell, yeah. her, yeah. tell her to call you Billy. <laughs> God, I love that. So, uh, but all types of creepy stuff are, uh, is happening as the fog rolls into town of uh, Antonio Bay. Strange things start happening. Uh, bottles start clanking at the local store. A store clerk gets spooked by all of this. The gas station pump comes undone, and cars are going up and down because spirits, when they're going wild, they just start pressing buttons. Let me tell you, this is just. I like that. Like the ghosts at first, they're like, "We're not into murder. We're into inconvenience first, Which I, I always find to be like i feel like if i was a tortured soul like the first thing i wouldn't want to make people's lives total shit and i wouldn't spend it just like ooh, look at this gas pump get get fucked wait, right like what you, <laughs> wait what are you talking about people call you the inconveniencer are you seriously telling me you don't want to spend the afterlife fucking with people with no consequences <laughs> all right maybe you're right all right yeah. I, see, I see both sides <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, we also see uh, uh, Nancy Keys. Uh, she sees a whole chair move in her uh, in her room. So uh, that things are things are getting spooky around Antonio Bay. But as midnight runs, uh, we get to hear old Stevie Wayne drop this little doohickey on us here. This is KB, Antonio Bay, California. 
six minutes after midnight. Haven't heard from the weatherman yet, so I can't say for sure about that rain. But there's a full moon and no clouds in the sky. I'm Stevie Wayne, and if you don't have anything to do right now, I'll be here playing music all through the witching hour. And this will be common throughout the film as uh, people are moving from place to place to hear old Stevie Wayne uh, given the ones and twos and given the fog report as it rolls in. And uh, as uh, next we get to meet sexy Tom Atkins as uh, he I love I don't understand why in the 80s people were like, you know what, we need a sex symbol for the male role. Is Tom Atkins available? <laughs> is he? Well, and I also feel like I don't understand. Like, I'm sure him and Jamie Lee Curtis are not that far in age at that time period, yeah. but he looks like a very old <laughs> yes, person at that a- at any age. Like, he probably came out like wearing having a mustache as a kid or something. Yeah, you know? he like, looked, yeah. He makes Edward James almost look like a 16 year old, and yeah. it just doesn't <laughs> it doesn't make sense at all. But I love yeah. that, like in this movie as well as in Halloween Three, how like he they just parade him around as some type of oh yeah, I'm sexy Tom Atkins. Don't worry, <laughs> and it just always it never does. Doesn't make me laugh, and yeah. of course he picks up Jamie Lee Curtis. But uh, as they're driving, all of the windows get fucking broken out of their car, and uh, which is just I like how they just like all of the windows get broken like on every part of the car, and they just move on. And we're like, that was weird. Hey, you want to go back to my place and fuck real quick? <laughs> because that was I'm really worked up right now, which is. <laughs> which I find to be the most ridiculous setup to having sex I've ever seen. But, you know, I listen, it's a John Carpenter film. I'm accepting yeah. it. We don't know what happened <laughs> between this point and that point. We just know that, God, how could you say no to a Tom Atkins character yeah. in a beat-up truck with no windows now? Uh, so uh, uh, we get to see uh, Stevie then broadcast to the masses as the uh, fog starts to roll in. And she goes to shout out the seagrass, which is out on the bay. And uh, oddly enough, the Coupe de Vils is actually uh, John Carpenter's band at the time. They were called the oh, Coupe I didn't de know Vils. that. That's cool. There you huh. go. Boy, would I like to meet her. <laughs> I saw her at a grocery store one day. Yeah? You would like to meet her. She's crazy. There's no fog bank out there. And then two seconds later, he goes, oh, crap, there is a fog bank, which is very, very funny. But uh, that actor <laughs> has actually been in two other John Carpenter films, and I don't have his name handy here, but I love him because he is the guy uh, um, who is the, the bum in uh, Escape from New York that's wearing the president's little tracker. He's like, hey! <laughs> is that um Is that George Buck Flower? Like, he's like a, I'm, I'm pretty sure, hold on, let's see. Was he in this? I'm, I'm checking on Wikipedia right now. Uh, yeah, he. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so it's that guy. But he is also in They Live, and he has probably the best monologue at They Live at the end. He was just like, what's what's wrong? Everybody wants to get a little money. Hell, you could get some, too. And no, dude, that guy, like, he has, like, the best, like, horror bit part thing. He's literally, like, um, he's the, the drunk stepdad in Waxwork 2. 
he's um he's in one of the uh, children of the corn sequels um where is it oh my god i don't want to like slow this podcast down but like he he's, also like, gets, all these, like, yeah he also gets murdered in um he also gets murdered in the wishmaster where he also plays a homeless man too so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he made a career playing tons of bums and homeless folks they're like incredible. we need a we need a is george available we need a homeless guy here and <laughs> we couldn't pick one off the, we need a trained homeless actor <laughs> so that's part is coming back from the bathroom and getting a drink and no exactly what we're talking about <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh as the fog rolls in over the uh the seagrass uh the the ghastly figures ghastly pirates make uh their way um and make short work of the living sailors with swords meat hooks and a and just a metal skewer that just gets jabbed into one guy's <laughs> eyeballs uh not really a lot of gore in this film even when the guy gets totally impaled no blood actually comes out on the sword which uh, I thought was interesting. Apparently, um, you know, this is before uh, um, uh, Poltergeist came out, which was the first PG, which set the tone for, to making PG-13 movies. So there's only PG or there was R. And Carpenter was shooting this to hopefully be a PG film, which is crazy to think about. Yeah. Like, they, even when you watch it now, like, how do you even, like, it, I feel I feel bad that, like, the sacrifices he made, like, I could have used just a little bit of gore here and there. There, um, to make it to make, really make this movie pop for me, but you know, such is the the movie making uh, money part of the of uh, the times that this movie was made in. So um, now the uh, the weather guy notices that the fog is moving against the wind. Whoa, that doesn't seem like regular glowing fog. And uh, the ghouls then go knock on Nick and Elizabeth's door, who is uh, Tom Atkins and uh, JLC. And uh, they're uh, they're about to go answer it, but the clock breaks as now it's 1 o'clock and they have to revert back to the sea, uh, the end of the hour. So uh, in the morning, the kid, um, uh, Stevie's kid, finds a, uh, a little piece of board on the um, on the beach that says Dane, which is obviously part of the shipwreck that's washed ashore, and uh, brings it over to his mom later that day. Um, Nick is the, in the meantime looking for his dead sailor friends that uh, are on the sea uh, on the seagrass, and says, "What you guys didn't go on?" He's like, "Oh, they probably just got hammered." And I was like, I try to like put myself in situations where I'm like, "Oh my." I, I don't think I'd ever be this concerned about my friends when they went out on a boat for a single night and it's only been less than 24 hours. I'm like, yeah, they're probably getting hammered still, even with cell phones right now. Like if they didn't answer, I'm like, eh, they're probably good. I'll, I'll wait. I'll, I'll still wait it out. So it's, I think no, it's. We're such different people. <laughs> Yeah, they'll probably be fine. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's Eric's thing. He's just like, oh no, if they're anything like me, they'll wake up tomorrow. They'll be, they'll be fine. They'll be less drunk. But with me, I tried to go camping in the woods with girls for six hours, and it didn't. <laughs> different friends, different people. <laughs> so uh, we also get to meet Kathy, who's uh, getting set up for the big, uh, you know, bicentennial. Uh, that's uh, played by Janet Lee, and um, 
we also then see uh, Nick and Liz finally then go find the boat, but they can't find anybody aboard until one of the fellas just crashes out with his eyeballs gouged out, uh, which, I listen, his eye holes looked great. Like, uh, very, <laughs> they were good eye holes that were left behind. So, uh, I love a good eye hole. <laughs> they, were, they were just these weird black eyes, like a shark's eyes, like a dog's eyes. <laughs> And, uh, Actually, that kind of works. It's just like 30 kids go into the water. Yeah, 30 kids go into the water when we're telling them stories. And the next thing, you know, yeah, I got fucking dollars. And then uh, he uh, he then, um, while this is all going down, uh, Father Malone shares a little thing that uh, he found in this book. April 21st, the deed is done. Blake followed our false fire on shore and his ship broke apart on the rocks off Spivey Point. We were aided by an unearthly fog that rolled in as if heaven sent, although God had no part in our actions tonight. Blake's gold will be recovered tomorrow, but may the Lord forgive us for what we have done. I couldn't read any further. I, why not? Why couldn't you read any further? You read all the things. <laughs> like why? You've read the worst part of this. Like clearly that your your grandfather's a murderer. Okay, I couldn't. I couldn't read any more though. <laughs> like, <what? laughs> I'll tell you, it's you're right. It's not that exciting of a diary entry because really, if you just want to see an unearthly fog, you just have to go to Pennsylvania after Three Mile Island. It's the same effect. <laughs> Uh, I uh I I don't know. I just don't get it. It's like reading. It's like you're like, oh, I watched Homeward Bound until Shadow got stuck in that hole, and I turned it off. I couldn't watch anymore. <laughs> I just couldn't. I couldn't bear to see it. So they, uh, which I did to my children once. I did turn Homeward Bound off when it looked like Shadow was dead. And uh, listen, I thought it was a funny bit. It maybe scarred my children and my wife. That made me turn back on the movie. Wait, so. you mean you didn't let them know he was rescued? That's what you did? Is yeah. you let them think you... Eric. Yeah, I said, and that's the movie, and I turned it off. Oh, I can't wait to do the same thing with your body. And I'm just like, ah, daddy's, daddy's dead. I'm your daddy now. And you're like, someone let me out of this hole. We were building a pool. Hey, my my only goal as a, as a father, other than just, you know, being around and, you know, trying to help them out and stuff, is I want to make sure that when they're teased or anything, that they were like, oh, no, you've, you've You've never met my father. He's he is he will harass you to the point of tears. That's true. And then, my dad was my first bully. Yeah, That's a yeah. Good, I'm gonna trying to be. <laughs> I'm trying to. I, I'm a I'm a tough love kind of dad. So uh, I like I like doing those type of things. So what can I say? I don't know. I'm a monster. I'm sure I'll be looked at in the in the annals of history. I was like, I can't believe he raised his children like that. What a monster! But you know, that's what it is. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, he then goes about to talk about the grisly death of everybody on the Elizabeth Dame that happened 100 years ago and says that the town is cursed because it, that gold was the thing that financed the, the creation of Antonio Bay. So, uh, Hashtag America. Yeah, yeah. So 
Exactly. <laughs> Meanwhile, while uh, while um, uh, Stevie is back at the lighthouse radio station, the board that says the Dane starts pushing water up out of it, and it drips onto the recorder. And she looks back, and now the board says six must die. And uh, yeah, Stevie is kind of scared. Uh, I personally, I hate when that happens. When I find a weird, mysterious board that can then give us secret messages from the dead, that ruins my perfectly good 1980s tape recorder. <laughs> I hate to upset you, but Eric, I've been doing it on our message boards to you. (laughs) So, but uh, as dusk rolls in for night number two, the fog sits right off the coast. And at uh, the medical examiner's office, uh, the body gets up and attacks Jamie Lee Curtis uh, and then uh, collapses and only writes the number three on the floor, meaning uh, three more bodies that have to do, which seems like a pretty fair sacrifice after murdering a whole ship of people uh to me i mean i feel like it's a good you get a whole town you just gotta murder six people every year that seems like nothing you know it it kind of reminds me of like i don't know why like a horror version of scott pilgrim So, uh, as though the fog rolls in now that it's getting dark, it's headed for the old weather station on Russellville Road. Uh, And uh, Dan mentions that the fog is at his doorstep. That's our weatherman uh, who's there, uh, who's the character Dan O'Bannon. And uh, he's real cocky about this fog because he's trying to to hit on Stevie and it's not working. (laughs) Uh, And he's not a guy, listen, you got to look at yourself and say, you know what? I don't got a shot. And Dan, he didn't have it to get with an Adrian Barbo or a Stevie, a radio personality of a local bay. So, you know, but you know what? You shoot, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And Dan at least was trying to shoot his shot. uh, But (laughs) until the fog rolled in on him here. Now, what is the big deal? You've seen fog once, you've seen it for life. Oh, there's something different about this fog, Dan. It glows. Can't you see anything yet? Glows? I get it. You take something to keep you going, right? Does it make you feel a little weird sometimes? Dan, what is it? What's happening? What is it? What's happening? Someone's shining a light through the window. Dan, listen to me. Hold on, sweetheart. Dan, it's that glowing fog. I wouldn't check that out. That seems like a bad idea. Dan, stay on the phone. Some asshole got drunk and started taking this hundred-year-old business too seriously. God, and then he gets stabbed up in his old fat neck. So uh, that he does have a fat neck, uh, and he gets stabbed in it, uh, which is which is fun. So R.I.P. Dan O'Bannon, you you served us so well as the as the creepy simp of this movie, and uh, I did enjoy him. So, meanwhile, while the town celebration is going on, Stevie calls the cops to warn the sheriff about what happened, but the fog takes out the power lines to the town, as well as the telephone lines, and uh, Sheriff Sims does absolutely nothing during this. Uh, He then... uh, Knocks down, it, it knocks out the power. Everything's dark. It's scary. The fog then starts rolling to where Stevie's son is, and she pleads uh, with the, her listeners to see if somebody can go save her son while this is happening. Andy, Andy, get out of the house! Mrs. Cobra, get him out of the house! Please, run! I think maybe we better close all the windows, Andy. Are your bedroom windows closed? I'll go see. Hello? 
Andy, don't mind me. I'm just going to walk out into this fog that we were just warned about seconds ago. Don't mind me a second. And the second Andy closes the door of the bedroom, his uh, caretaker <laughs> gets fucking yoked up. And uh, next we uh, see Miss, sweet Miss uh Cor- Corbis uh, brutally murdered in seconds as uh, specters start to hack their way into Andy's room. But luckily, sexy Tom Atkins, Nick Castle, races to the rescue and pulls him through a window, and they're able to scoot away in his shitty-ass truck with Jamie Lee Curtis with only a little bit of mudsliding for uh, for tension as the uh, as the ghosts start to roll up on them. Uh, pretty fun scene. I always love the score. The little I like. I love the things that he does do like the ding 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 ding. It's just such a you're like oh man. If he throws another note in this, I can't even handle it right yeah. now. <laughs> you better hit me with one tone over and over again. And uh, <laughs> no, but it's good. It, it it I thought it was a great shot scene, and uh, I do love mm-hmm. the effects of the fog and uh, and just the lighting that and how it picks that up. It was it was a yeah. good. It's a nice little scary scary moment when they were talking i remember like uh, on the audio commentary they talk about how much of a nightmare it was even controlling the fog during production because it's it's not the obviously it's pre-cgi like Mm -hmm. that fog is practical fog that took Mm -hmm. 20 fucking minutes to fill up the space so it's like if something didn't go the right way like they were like you know blowing in like moving fans around to make it move but it's like only, you can only do so much. <laughs> I just want to know the one scene where they had to reshoot after the fog was all there. Like, Tom, I know you're a trained actor. Can you do – we asked you to be sexy. Can you do that? Can you run it back for me one more time? You're like, I'm sorry, John. You know, I'm doing my best here. I'm doing you, know, best you know, one thing we, we, I forgot to bring up that I thought was interesting – why the fuck is John Carpenter in the movie? Like he ends up being the guy that talks to Father Malone in the beginning. Oh he yeah, cast himself. Like I never understood that. Yeah, I like, don't know why. I and we what a weird kinda, role too. Yeah, yeah he, I guess he was. Maybe it was a thing early on. He's like, you know, I'm going to start putting myself in the movies, and then he was probably yeah, just a like, real M night. Eh, yeah. <laughs> I think it was just one of those things. He's like, it seems like a lot of work. I don't want her to fuck yeah. up this shot. <laughs> I may not be a popular opinion, but I definitely feel like every time I see that, I'm like, oh, this is a filmmaker who's also a narcissist. Yeah. Where you see, <laughs> where you see the filmmaker in like i love when it's like written by directed by produced by also starring i'm like okay we get it your mom didn't hug you i'm so sorry there's this there's this one movie are you guys familiar with the actor eric lasalle okay i believe so yeah eric lasalle was uh was on the show er for many years and uh There was this always this movie at Blockbuster, which I never rented. But when Netflix first came out, it was finally it was available on the first streaming service of Netflix when it had nothing. <laughs> and it was this movie called and it was it was billed Eric LaSalle is crazy as hell. And I always was like, man, I got to see this movie. <laughs> and it's not. Hey, it's a fucking it's not a good movie. It's bad from the beginning. <sighs> but it, it, the, it, is it starts, crazy. Yeah. It's, <laughs> hey, it's crazy as hell. <laughs> and it's it is. It's, it is, it, I used to just always make jokes. It's like, Eric LaSalle is Eric LaSalle in Eric LaSalle's Eric LaSalle. And just like, it's, he just plays the devil. And it's just like a piece where it's a guy that talks to a devil in a crazy, insane asylum. And it's not a good movie at, at all. Uh, but, you know, shout out to Eric LaSalle. Maybe we can get him on the show sometime. I feel like he can't be that busy. No, you know? stop making me do that. I mean, Chris, you're great. But Eric, I'm sorry to talk to you. Stop it. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh man. So uh they run off with uh with Andy and uh they're making their way trying to avoid the fog and luckily they have their eye in the sky letting them know where the fog's rolling to. It's moving down 10th Street. Get inside and lock your doors. Close your windows. There's something in the fog. And then uh, after that, you know, we could maybe have you ever thought about rebooting the, the comedy version of The Fog where it's just uh, it's ghosts that all vape and like, oh, they just that's all, good. Yeah, they're vape. They're vape ghosts that it's just like, oh, God, they're coming. Yeah, what, unicorn venom, bro. Yeah. And then they just they murder you. There you go. What Eric does not know is that I've been secretly filming him for months and uh, I'm doing it documentary. Style like found footage, but I'm calling it the smog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, they make their way back to the church where Father Malone is as he watches the fog roll towards the church helplessly. Uh, they head to the basement and barricade themselves in. They ask Father Malone where the book is. He's like, Oh, I never read the end of it, but it's in the other room where the fog already is. I guess we'll go get it. Uh, meanwhile, the fog rolls in the the bottom of the lighthouse while this is happening so stevie's under attack they finally argue uh a solution frantically reading the final pages of this book Were were it possible to raise the dead, I would return Blake's fortune to an intact, save the money spent on these walls that hide it. My fellow conspirators believe that the confiscated fortune has been stolen from them, when in fact I am the thief and God's temple is the tomb of gold. I am the thief and God's temple is the tomb of gold. Oh, God. And as that happens, they start breaking through the windows. So uh, they take that as, oh, shit, the gold's probably hidden in the walls of this thing. And luckily, they find a loose rock and pull out this giant golden cross that everything's been melted into. And uh, Father Malone calmly walks out with the cross into the uh, the church while the others beat back the ghastly figures. And uh, he, uh, he goes to confront uh, Blake, who's actually played by special effects artist. Uh, Rob Botton, who we mentioned earlier at the beginning. This is your goal, Blake. My grandfather stole it from you. I'm the one who must answer for it. From from the one page that I read a second ago, I'm pretty sure you you work on like leprechaun like rules. So if I return your gold <laughs> and maybe my soul, you'll be you'll be good. Is that cool? And uh, see. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, while this is going on, Stevie has uh, climbed all the way to the top of the lighthouse as the ghosts have forced her up there. And uh, he finally, uh, as the, the monster's grabbing it, it uh, fucking finally explodes. Oh, no, he goes like this and goes, I'm the, I'm the sixth conspirator. I'm Father Malone. Take me. And he uh, he holds on to it and grabs it and grabs it and as they're both holding on to it, things climax until it finally fucking is there explosion? Maybe there was explosion I grabbed here. Yes. Oh gosh! <laughs> Ghostly explosions happen and then uh, all of a sudden 
they uh, they uh, the 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 morbid beasts slowly fade away, and we don't see anybody around. And uh, Father Malone seems to be okay. They uh, everything seems to be bright and happy, um, except that like seconds later they do come back and just kill Father Malone, which is uh, uh, pretty crazy. But Stevie then warns everybody to gives them this warning. Something came out of the fog and tried to destroy us. In one moment, it vanished. But if this has been anything but a nightmare, and if we don't wake up to find ourselves safe in our beds, it could come again. To the ships at sea who can hear my voice, look across the water into the darkness. Look for the fog. And that brings us to an end of the fog as Father Malone is still killed. So they're not really appeased because they came and killed somebody after they got their gold. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's still uh, they're still ghastly yeah. figures now. But I, I love that type of move all the time. Like, I love to be like, Eric, I'm not angry anymore. I forgive you. And then he's like, yeah. oh, good. I feel so much better. And then I'm like, oh, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> Tricked you good, bitch. <laughs> I'm going to bring up that thing I'm still mad about. Uh. <laughs> Now, uh, John Carpenter's original idea, like uh, much like the Halloween series, is that he wanted to franchise this as a, a yearly thing where the fog would roll into a different place and new ghost stories would happen from that. But like much of uh, Carpenter's ideas that he wanted to do anthology-type series, they never panned out, and this was another one. So, unfortunately, I would have loved to see like a creep show-style movie every year where the fog rolls into a new town and there's new creepy happenings that happen, but... Uh, uh, never came to fruition. Yeah, yeah I agree. that's, that's Sorry, awesome. No, 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 no Chris, I agreed. Agreed. I was going to say, I think it's interesting though too. Like, it was, was it a hundred years? It's the, it's the centennial, right? Yeah. So yeah. like, so like, what it what it should have been is the sequel should have been in the future. It should have been a hundred years from nineteen eighty. Yeah. 1980. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. So. In uh, yeah, that makes sense. So it's nineteen eighty. <laughs> so twenty eighty, we'll finally get yeah. the sequel to the fall. There you go. There you go. The fog twenty eighty. Shit writes itself. <laughs> but it'll be a spaceship. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Now I'm into that. Now I never watched the uh, the reboot of the fog. Have you guys seen the reboot? Is I've it any never good? Seen it. No. it didn't make the time. No. No. I de- <laughs> I never heard anything great about it. And if you're going to remake a Carpenter classic, I mean, it better be fucking good at, at this yeah. point because you're you're walking on hallowed ground here, in my opinion. So, how many? I, I don't think we have any more Carpenter movies left to do. Uh, Ashley, <laughs> what do we have? We left? still have. We still have Mouth of Madness. Which oh. I've been pushing for. Hey, for and we've we've never done John Carpenter's Vampires or a low key banger favorite of mine, The Ghosts of Mars. Okay, revisit it. It's not it's not as bad as I remember. I, I I'm I willing. Back. I'm willing that that means we have to do Mouth of Madness. So I'm, I have them all on the list. I walked <laughs> back down that road pretty recently, and I didn't hate it. I was just like, you know what? This is nice. This is nice. I accept. Yeah. Okay, it's Ice Cube. It's 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 a total recall <laughs> setting. There's ghosts. All right, cool. Let's do it. I'm into it. Um, <laughs> what what are your favorites, uh, Carpenter-wise? 
I mean, the thing is is undoubtedly yeah. it's one of my favorite horror movies from beginning to end, just from yeah. a pla- practical effects standpoint, and the fact that there's no chicks in it at all. Um, there's not. <laughs> there really. It, 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 I can't name another horror movie that doesn't have one woman in it. There literally isn't one in the thing yeah. at all. It's just. Uh, yeah. And that's not. It's just really a shot at Ashley and fifty percent of the population <laughs> more than anything. But it is a great movie, and it's the most. It is I one of the most feel less motivated to take care of the Instagram. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's one of the most dude, not dude movies there. Because it's not like Die Hard where it's just like, that's a dude movie. But it's yeah, yeah. it's clearly like, it, I like I like the idea of a bunch of grown men feeling completely helpless and they're the ones that are the victims of of, of uh, horrible murders throughout the film. So I, I enjoy Aww, that. So. I, that's very, I, I think that's really unique though. You're right. Grown men feeling completely helpless. That's a great, that's like... That's like the TV guy description of the fog. Yeah. I mean, of the thing. Of the thing. It's also <laughs> called Eric's Diary. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just look at it as like it's a bunch of dudes that are just like, yeah, we're going to go out and be man work stuff. It's like because it could yeah. be people working in Antarctica. It could be lumberjacks or whatever. And you're like, yeah, yeah these are tough, rough, rough and tumble, jack drinking people that are completely fucking helpless and yeah. uh, can't yeah. do anything. There's no solution to what to do at all through it. And even at the end, everyone is just dead right there's no there's nothing (laughs) there's no happy ending there's no final girl it's just like yeah this is what happens when you just leave a bunch of dudes together we have no plan to survive (laughs) we kill each other yeah we've made no we have no contingency plans you're like what are you gonna do i'm gonna get fucking dynamite and blow something up right now (laughs) so uh, i think that's what I, i i do love about it and then uh you know um other Carpenter films, you know, They Live is a close second for me. Yeah, they yeah. Live from beginning to end, not only being a humongous professional wrestling fan, as you can see, I'm wearing a Macho Man <laughs> Randy Savage shirt as we speak. Uh, it also starts the great Roddy Piper, who uh, did a wonderful uh, video promo for me back in the 90s. My, my brother went to Monster Mania when he was there and uh, urged me not to be a professional wrestler, which is why I'm here doing this today, because uh, there was so, a dream, I think, to be a professional wrestler in the 90s and uh so knowing that you are a big wrestling fan i'll tell you a quick story before we ask ashley what her, her fave carpenter is um i had um nikolai volkoff audition for one of my films uh he auditioned for a film he made called president's day and he was the nicest guy in the world but he was not a very good actor and we ended up not giving and rest his soul we ended up not giving him the role and i always think about that i was like man i should have wrote something just for him but literally like god bless him he read stage directions like as dialogue like in the script (laughs) (laughs) he was the sweetest man he was so sweet but like the role it was he was supposed to he was auditioning for the janitor and he was just like he just he just wasn't the right vibe but yeah We just—I I think it's so funny that at one time in your life you got to call Nikolai Volkov, who can't wrestle anymore. He's probably retired, and he's just like, "Listen, we just got to be honest with you. You're not janitor material." And that—it's <laughs> probably my favorite story that I've Honestly, heard. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like, it, the, the janitor has such a, this weird, almost like a Scooby Doo villain type role in that movie. And honestly, like George Buck Flower would have been perfect for it. Uh, but like it's one of those things where like like because his accent is still so thick and i was just like this might bring our movie down a different road if we go people are gonna assume he's like a kgb agent or something you know? I, I just like the fact that they're like honey did you get the part you're like no he's like you can't even be a janitor can you nikki <laughs> oh, <that's so> sad. <laughs> 
Oh, oh that fucking rules, dude. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, well, um, Chris, where can people? I'm sorry, Ashley. What are your two yeah, yeah, favorite your carpenter films? So. Oh, I mean, I, I agree with are. Eric. The thing is probably my top. Yeah. Um, but I would probably have to say for me, the close second is actually going to be uh, Prince of Darkness. Right on. Cool. I do like yeah. it. It's good. Uh, yeah. Good picks. And and you, Chris, what were your uh, what were your two top two? Uh, but I was gonna say, well, t- top I think is the fog, and then I think second. Man, that's kind of tough. I feel like I'm gonna go the thing for my second because it's a great movie, like just hundred percent great, fantastic mm-hmm. film. I just think there's something about the fog that I just find like for me resonates more, just as a classic ghost story. Yeah. Like I feel like it's so different than what most John Carpenter has done career wise. So that's why it just seems like exciting to me. Yeah, yeah. I think that's fair. I I think so, and I like it. You know that's the that's the fun thing about John Carpenter. You can get full socioeconomic worldviews with movies yeah. like they they live. You can get pretty much straight up helplessness horror movies with like you know the Halloween and and the thing you know or even more into like the sci fi realm. He really yeah. has he's he's explored like all of uh, as much space I think as he could uh, during his yeah. uh, during his uh, filmmaking career in the genre. What I want to watch again is uh, Memoirs of an Invisible Man. Like that's the one no one ever talks about yeah, that he that did. True. It's so weird. Yeah, I haven't seen that one probably since it came out, since it was available on HBO originally. Right, right. That was probably the last <laughs> time I watched that movie, and I barely, I barely remember it. Although the yeah. new Invisible Man was fucking a ten out of ten. I loved that. Oh, dude, that was all, that was the last God. movie we saw in a theater before the pandemic. God, yeah, I, um, and it was good. It really, it really is. It really yeah. is, and I'll say it, it's it's better than Hollow Man, which was probably my other yeah. favorite uh, <laughs> Invisible Man movie up until that point. Yeah, so. yeah. What you guys are not Hollow Man fans? I, I don't. Like, I, I don't even. That's that's Kevin Bacon, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 He's, he's the Hollow he's Man. Very, the only thing I liked about it is I was like, oh, he's a horny Invisible Man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, is this is this weird? Am I into hentai? What is this? Is this what? I don't know how this works. Well, there's nothing. I mean, the scariest thing is the invisible rapist. If we're being oh, honest, boy. You know, they're the worst. <laughs> that's that's the part that you don't like. You're like, oh, this is hot, and then you go, oh no, she's not consenting. Why can't you just rob a bank like a regular invisible man? <laughs> <laughs> or or hunt Danny Glover through a giant uh, concrete jungle. Uh, <laughs> so anyway uh chris final thoughts and and plugs uh, you got anything big coming up that you want to uh, uh, plug here let's see um no just working on the wnf sequel uh if people want to see our latest the pre-orders for what happens next will scare you or on kickstarter and then um you can just find me on instagram or um yeah instagram or twitter um and or if, if you want to friend me on facebook just send me a message first so i know who you are and how you how you found me yeah <laughs> I, hey, I mentioned that at a show last night i mentioned i was like hey uh, i'm always looking for new followers and and friends on facebook and instagram whatever you want to do but if you're on facebook and i don't know who if we don't have any mutual friends you better send me a yeah. fucking message because listen yeah. i pointed to this one guy i was just like you like you're clearly not a Russian bot. Like I just look at you and you're a schlubby fat white guy. You probably have lots of posts about how, you know, your political views. That's cool. I'll probably friend you, but you, I pointed to this very attractively woman. I was like, you look like a Russian bot. You understand that? Like you're going to have to send a separate message just to say, Hey, saw you at the show. That's all I need. Otherwise, sorry, uh, Clevin Klinko. I'm not going to say yes to that one. You're going in, you're going in the list of people that I can't decide yes or no. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> for sure, I'll see the mutual list when you get over a certain number accepted. So well, and that's the thing too. I mean, like I like I, I used to just accept everybody, but like horror people, sometimes you'll find fucking I'm I'm very left wing, and you'll find like crazy right wing horror people, and I'm mm. like I don't really want to associate with you. Well, you missed you missed out on Jeremy Woodworth, but luckily. <laughs> <laughs> so. But you know what? We had a great time. Ashley, where can people find you at, love? <laughs> you can find me on Instagram and uh, all the social media at Ashley Pontius Laughs. Uh, you can also find me at Stand Up Connecticut. I'll be uh, out there for those dates, May 14th and 15th. Oh, great. And, uh, of course, you can find all things Eric Comedy at ericcomedy.com. Eric with a K, comedy with a C. There's some um, shit coming up at the end of May. I think we're at Magoobies. Uh, so check all that shit out. Um, and links to our merch store and all that. Ashley, take us out of here. Oh, um, I'm Adrian Bobbo. 